But I believe that God has a message for our heart today, uh, anytime that we have the opportunity to tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We, we can step through a door for our life. We can step into things that God has maybe held for us that have been waiting for our lives. And, and if I survey my life, maybe even the life of our family, my personal walk with the Lord, I can see that there are moments throughout my journey where I have plateaued, where I have come up to it maybe a certain level of living or believing or thinking, and, and then it seems to like kind of level off. And those plateaus are a part of life, a part of our experience. Those plateaus are not necessarily a wrong place or or, or an indication that something has gone bad. But there are moments that if we don't take additional steps, we can miss going to the next place that God has for us. How many of you are believing that what you're experiencing right now is all that there is? No, I didn't think so. The good. I think this sermon is going to help you today. Maybe you think that there is something more that God has in store for you. And those things we can walk into by design or by default. But I believe that if we'll take some actions, if we'll set our heart to look and embrace God, what do you have for me now or or in the future that I'm not embracing right now? And if there is something, God, how can I come up into a higher place, a higher walk with you? How can I experience more of you? And not just for my own life and benefit, but Lord, how can you use me to touch others? And I believe that God has an answer for us this morning. I've entitled this message, Three piles of wood. Three piles of wood. We're going to be looking in the Old Testament this morning at the lives of three men. How they had plateaued in their walk, but yet how God had something ordained for them. A call to something higher. And how three piles of wood changed their circumstances. Changed their future. Changed the future of a nation. And how you and I today can go from where we are right now into something new that God wants us to possess. If we'll follow some of these same Steps. How many of you would like to go higher in your walk with the Lord? You'd like to be somewhere different than where you are right now. Not that where you're at right now is bad, but this life means that we're progressing. It means that we're growing. It means that we're bearing fruit. And if you're in the same place spiritually, if you're in the same place right now today that you were a year, to, a year ago, then perhaps this message is good for you and God can use it as a catalyst to help you, help move you into the next season of your life, into the next season of fruitfulness in relationships, perhaps in your career, perhaps in your calling and in the gifts that God has given in your life. And the first pile of wood that I want to look at We're going to start with the life of Gideon. If you've been around me uh, very much, then you'll know this is one of my favorite Bible characters because Gideon was the ultimate underdog. He was the one who was hiding in a cave. The armies of the enemy had invaded the land. And while God had promised through Moses and through Joshua that the land would be theirs, somehow we see a scene in Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7 where the army of the Midianites and the Malachites have come in and they have devoured the land. The Bible says that their number could not be counted. They look like locusts. And here was Gideon, 
called of God, but yet hiding in a cave, buried in obscurity, filled with self-doubt, and filled with the questions, how could my life ever make a difference? Gideon had hit a ceiling in his life. It was a very low ceiling. Gideon had hit a spot in his life where he had convinced himself that he could not go any further. God approached him and said, Gideon, I've called you to be a mighty warrior. Gideon's response is, God, you've got the wrong guy. You've got to keep looking for someone else. And he gave God all of his excuses as to why he was not the right candidate for God's call and job. And then we see here in this story in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through 27. Hopefully the scripture will come up behind me. There it is. A scripture that I believe begins to point to us. One of the keys, one of those defining moments in Gideon's life where he stepped across a line, if you will. And once stepping across that line, there was no going back. He sealed his fate in one single act for God that would forever propel him as a man of history, as a man of victory. And the result of those steps here in this text are what we're, are why we're reading about him today. It says here in Judges chapter 6, verses 25 through 27, The same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, And one seven-year-old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asher pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Here it is. Here's the first pile of wood. Using the wood of the Asher pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. And so Gideon took, took, took ten of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. See, here was a man that something had been built and constructed in his surroundings, in his village, in his zip code, if you will. There was an altar that had been built by his father to foreign gods, to Baal. It was an asher pole that ascended up into the sky that stood as a representation that this land belongs to someone other than Jehovah. And here was Gideon. Born in a family that he thought was so low. Yet his father, being some leader in the community, even being born of the seed of Abraham, both naturally and spiritually, he was one who had constructed this monument to Baal, and Gideon lived in its shadow. And I want to bring this point to you today. That maybe there is something in your life that you have been in the shadow of. Maybe it hasn't come directly through you. Maybe it's been through your parents. Maybe it's been through your family. Maybe it's been something in your upbringing. But it has served as a beacon almost of darkness. If those terms can, 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 can match together. That has, that has cast a shadow. A dark shadow over your life. And this is what Gideon lived underneath. He lived under the shadow of an Asher pole. He lived under the shadow of an altar that was built by his father, an altar to Baal. 
And yet God in coming to Gideon says, Gideon, there is something that I have for your life. And the first step, the first act that you must take is to go up that mountain and cut it down and use the wood that was built to another God. Use it as the altar. Use it as the wood to make a sacrifice that will ascend to me. Gideon, this is the first step in your life. You see, God was calling Gideon to make an altar out of an obstacle. God was calling Gideon to turn an obstacle into the very catalyst for change for his life. Gideon, living with his very low self-esteem, living in this place where he thought he could do nothing, living under a heavy yoke and weight of bondage, perhaps not brought on by himself, but we know at least his father, here he was, and something was dominating his life. Fear was dominating his life. God, how could you ever use me? God, I'm the least of all my people. I'm the least of my family. God says there's something that has been erected in your village. There is something that overshadows your life. Gideon, I want you to bring it down. And what the devil has planted in your life, I want you to use it as a catalyst of change for my glory. You see, Gideon would go on in his life. We would read about him in the next chapter, Judges chapter 7. And we would read that as one man, as one man, Gideon would free and deliver a whole nation. But it started right here. The first pile of wood. Gideon at night with ten of his friends and servants climbed, scaled up that mountain, looked up at that pole and began to chop it down. They didn't finish when it was fallen to the ground. There they began to chop it up into small pieces and made a pile of wood. And there they gathered the, 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 the cows, the bulls, and there they began to make a sacrifice of what the devil had constructed in their life. I hope you can hear the point today. That maybe there has been something that you know the enemy has hounded you with, has haunted you with, has been built over your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a fear in your heart. Maybe it's something of the past that has dominated your memory, that has dominated your present life and circumstances. Maybe it has hovered over you and you haven't been able to move past it because of past failures, because of shame, because of inferiority complex. Gideon couldn't move past who he thought he was. But things were about to change. Gideon did what God said. Gideon made a pile of wood out of the enemies, uh, what the enemy had built. Gideon brought it down, not just bringing it down, but Gideon took the work of the enemy and made it into an altar. One of the first steps that you and I can take, if we want to go on from where we are today, if we don't want to allow things of our past, maybe they mistakes or sins or or maybe there are things that people have even done to you that you haven't even wanted or asked for. Things have just come to your life. Maybe things in your upbringing. Things in your in, in, at a university. I, I don't know where, but maybe those things overshadow you. You can turn those evil events. You can turn them 
into an altar. And you can see what the devil has meant for evil in your life. God can turn for good. Gideon lit that fire. He put the bull on that fire. Smoke ascended to heaven. And not only the flames and smoke of that bull that was burning, but all the past failures, all the past fears, all the self-doubt ascended and it was going away forever. And Gideon would step out of that event and he would begin to call an army unto himself. And the days of victory were soon at hand for the nation of Israel. All because Gideon made a pile of wood. Made a pile of wood out of what the enemy had constructed in his life. Can you hear me this morning? Can I hear an Amen. amen. Can you think maybe about some, some, something that the devil has tried to bring harm to, 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 you, to your life? Maybe something that he has used. Maybe something that he brings up quite frequently. Maybe uh, even this week, the devil tries to remind you of where you are, of who you are, uh, of the level that you can go at in life. He tries to tell you that you can't go any further because of this and because of that. Gideon, oh, He heard that same message. It was on repeat over and over and over in his hearing. But there came a day when he made a pile of wood and he burnt all of those things and he stepped into a new place, into a new position. He stepped into the purpose of God and he lived for something higher than what the devil had meant for him. And I believe that we have people in this room and you're, you're, you're wonderful, but some of you maybe have plateaued in life. Some of you have come up to a certain level, and, and the devil has challenged you, and, and he's brought things up about you, and, and shortcomings and failures, and said, how could God ever use someone like you? This is in your life, and you'll never be free from it. This is what others have said about you, and you'll never be able to move on. But I want you to know today that those things can become your altar. Those things can become the very catalyst of change that God wants to use to promote you into a new season of increased fruit and usefulness for his purposes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We're going to look here at the second pile of wood. If you want to in your Bibles, you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. You see, Gideon, he made a choice to exalt God over his past. He made a choice to make an altar out of what the enemy had made. His fears were the fears of failure, the fears of man. The Bible said he did it at night because he was afraid of what the townspeople would think. But yet morning came and they found Gideon and they wanted to kill him. Yet Gideon stood strong Not only on that day, but on the days to come when the entire nation would be delivered through one man. Point number two, the second pile of wood we find in Genesis chapter 22, verses 6 through 8. Perhaps you know the story, it's of Abraham. Abraham had believed God when he saw nothing. He was believing for a son. God had promised it to him that his descendants would be more than the stars of heaven and sand on the seashore. And yet this promise, while it took a long time, was finally delivered and there young boy Isaac came on the scene and Abraham became consumed with the blessing. He he, he became enamored 
with the blessing. It was all that his life had come to. It was all that he had ever wanted. And here he was holding that boy, hugging that boy, kissing on that boy, playing with that boy, occupied with that boy. The blessing from God had finally arrived. But somehow, the blessing became an obstacle. Somehow the affection that Abraham once had for God, the dependency that he once had on God, was now fulfilled uh, by this young boy sitting on his lap. The very promise became an obstacle. The very blessing became a hindrance to the next season of Abraham's life and what God had for him next. God says, I've got a plan. I've got a way to see and test the heart of Abraham and see if he's ready to go on to the next stage, if he's ready to move beyond this plateau. I know the blessing is good, but blessings were only a part of the package that God promised to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, he said, Abraham, I will bless you so that you can become a blessing. Oh, Abraham got wrapped up in the blessing part, but he forgot about becoming a blessing to the nations of the world. The blessing became an obstacle. And here we can see, we find the story in Genesis chapter 22, verse 6 through 8. Abraham took the wood. Here's the second pile of wood. He took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son, Isaac. Now, they weren't yet at the altar. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that they had three days, that they had a walk. So here is Abraham gathering up this kindle wood, this firewood, tying it into bundles, and then literally tying this wood on the back of his son and saying, Son, this is your load to carry. We're going to walk for three days. I've got the fire. I've got the provisions for the journey. You've got the wood. Let's go on and read. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them went on together. And Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, you are my, uh, uh, Father Abraham, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Here's what I want you to see today. Many of you know how this story ends up, that God provides a miraculous uh, 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 alternate sacrifice through a ram that was caught in the thicket. God does a miracle and Isaac's life is spared. But, but the, the, the true test of the heart came to Abram in that would he bind the wood to his son? Would he take him to the altar? Here's where I think this becomes relevant for you and I today. And you can probably take this many different ways. But here's where I think even us as a congregation, as a group of Christians, you and I have been blessed as Abraham has been blessed. Are we just enamored with the blessing? Are we content with all the lavish blessings that God has poured out on our life? And are we forgetting That the blessing comes with a purpose. The blessing comes to propagate that wonderful life and blessing into all the nations of the world. 
and to take the good news and salvation of our Savior. The greatest blessing that one could ever receive is that of eternal life given to us through Jesus Christ. But many times we congregate in places just like this and we celebrate the blessing and we never take it beyond. We get so enamored with all the good things that God has done to us. Many of you in this room, if not all of you, you've got a job, you've got a paycheck, you've got a roof over your head, you're going to eat food today. Uh, you, you, you've got, most of you have got good health. You've got security on many different levels. And, and, and the greatest of all, these all being just material, but the greatest of all is that you are a recipient of the grace of God. Peace has come in place of wrath. A way has been opened up for you that you could experience and have eternal life. You have been blessed beyond measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God's blessings have been poured out upon your life. I know we can get caught up in that we don't have the iPhone 4 yet. So how can you call me blessed? We don't have all the latest gears or gadgets. By the way, I would like an iPhone 4. iPad as well. But I know this. I know I'm blessed. I know I'm incredibly blessed. But my friends, as the church... If we get so enamored with just sitting our little Isaac on our knee and stroking Isaac and and, and saying, wow, look what I've got. Look what I've got. And just celebrating the blessing, just coming together here on a Sunday morning and this being the climax of our Christian experience, then we have missed part of the beautiful responsibility that comes with the blessings of God. Can you hear me today? If this is it, then we have missed it. Let's be grateful for the blessings. Let's be grateful that we can come together and sit in a place and be free to lift our hands and worship God and speak openly of Him and declare His praises. But if it doesn't leave this room, if we're just consumed with the next paycheck and what it's going to do more for us, If self becomes the center of our orbit and our life, and everything is given to feed us more, then we miss the reason for the blessing. That is to be a blessing to this world. And if you don't know where there are people who need this blessing, come with me. I'll I'll take you there. You don't have to travel across the world. You can go across the street. You might be able to go across the aisle here and find people who are in real need. But in case you can't find them, come with me. I'll introduce you to billions of them who are in the, in the, the down in the dark places of this world who've never even heard that there is a blessing to receive from God. Let's not be content with just coddling Isaac on our knee. Let's recognize that you and I, the church of God, were created for a grander purpose, and that is to be a blessing in this world. Maybe God would say to you and I, it's time to bind some wood on the blessing. It's time to make another pile of wood. It's time to wrap up that blessing and cover it in wood and say, walk with us. 
Are we prepared to burn all the blessing of God that He has so lavishly poured out upon us for the greater purpose of God's kingdom and and life? It was the test that was given to Abraham. It was the test that was given to Gideon. Piles of wood. What is your pile of wood? What are you willing to burn today? I know it's a strong message, but I believe sometimes we need them to wake ourselves up from a slumber and inactivity and a complacency and a plateau that we reach in life, settling for certain things in life, settling for, for, for low faith, the low beliefs. But yet God, I believe, would cause our eyes to look up higher. Abraham, continue to look up. I have a purpose. This is just one star. Look up in all those stars. See them. They're beyond what you can count. There is a grander purpose than this blessing. This blessing is a part of it, but it is fuel that will help you move into the greater things that I have prepared for you. Abraham, bound pile of wood to the blessing. He made an altar out of the blessing. Gideon, he was willing to make an altar out of his past, to move past it and get on to the next things. Abraham was willing to make an altar out of his present circumstances. You see, for years he had believed. For years he had held on. The Bible tells us in Romans Incredibly, that he did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief. He staggered not, but grew strong in faith and believed that what God had promised, God would bring to pass. And now, what God brought to pass was sitting on his lap. It was in, it was in his hands. It was his present life. And he got content with the present things. He forgot about the things to come. God said, make an altar out of the blessing. God said to Gideon, make an altar out of the fears. Three piles of wood. We have one more. Point number three today. I want to look at the life, very briefly, a story of Elisha. Found in 1 Kings 19. There was a predecessor to Elisha. His name was Elijah. Had worked many miracles in the nation. God had used him as a mighty prophet, called fire down from heaven, ascended in a chariot. Powerful stories. We read about the life of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19 through 21. We hear the story of the calling of the new kid on the block. We hear the story of the one who the baton will be passed to, and he will take up where Elijah left off, not just work the miracles that he, that he did, but he will double, work double the amount of miracles and signs of God. And we see it right here. So Elijah went up from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. In verse 20, Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen 
And he slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat. And he gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. The third pile of wood. Elisha had a successful career going. Had a successful business. Twelve yoke of oxen. By anyone's standards in the world today, you have that many oxen, you're doing okay. How many of you have ever plowed with oxen? How many of you have ever bought an ox? Yeah, they go for about $1,000 even in the developing world. It's a lot of money. A lot of money for someone. He had 12. Yeah. Here he was with a family business. He had a career. He was comfortable in his life. Certainly, he had plateaued. There was no higher uh, uh, position or, or pursuit in his life. But all that changed when the servant Elijah came to him and throw his, threw his cloak around his shoulders, which was a sign that I am passing on to you that which was given to me. And if you will follow me, you can have the same authority. You can have the same anointing. You can have the same power that I have will be transferred to you. Elisha, thinking that sounded pretty good, went and he took the oxen. He took his business and literally burnt it. He took the wood from the plow that he would held day after day, that he had stood upon and went back and forth in those fields, tending the fields and working his business and career. He took the very instruments of his business and he made a pile of wood out of them. There he lit a match and he burnt his livelihood. He burnt his bridge back. He said, there is no way that I can return to this former way of life. Here it is. It's going up in smoke in front of my eyes and for all of my village to see. I am following the Lord. Elisha made an altar out of his career. Made an altar out of all that he had become. His career, if you can hear me, had become the obstacle. And I'm not saying that your career is your obstacle. But if that becomes all that you live for, then it does become an obstacle. If you can't see the greater purpose and design behind why are you here on planet earth and that what defines you is not what you do, but who you are because Christ lives inside of you and that God has singled you out to dispense his great love and lavished upon you every great gift that anyone could ever imagine. It has come to you in your life and you are called to use that gift and beyond just what you do. With your natural hands. You see, Elisha had to make a choice. Elisha went and slaughtered the oxen. Elisha made a pile of wood. There he lit it, and it ascended all of his hopes and dreams for the future, all of his business strategy plans for the years to come. Perhaps, I don't know, the loan at the local bank. I don't know, but, but all of his business sense and ideas, all of his forward thinking. I tell you when, you, when you tend oxen all day long for years and years, you got a lot of time to think. And I'm sure Elijah standing on the back of that, that plow, 
time and time and time again, year after year, calculated, this row will get me this much money. That row will get me that much money. He was calculating every single day, every single year, what he could make. He, he was building up his plans for life and how he could set himself up and all of his family. And yet God says, put it to smoke. Make a pile of wood out of all those things and offer the oxen to me. Elisha handed over his dreams. He handed over his own thoughts. He handed over his own calculated strategies. He handed over his future to God. And there it ascended as a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Nothing, nothing in this world will get God's attention quicker than sacrifice. David said in Psalm 51 that, 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 that God does not want burnt offering. The real sacrifices of God are a contrite spirit and a broken heart. The sacrifice of a broken heart. And let me tell you, and you, some of you will know what I mean, when you lay down your past on the altar as Gideon did, there is a sacrifice of the heart. When you lay down the blessing of God, as great as it was in Isaac that Abraham held, Abraham, don't tell me, he wasn't giving his heart to God. Elijah, handing over his dreams and hope for the future, was giving over a broken spirit and a contrite heart to God. These ascended into heaven, and God began to breathe them in. God says, now I have something to work with. They've been doing things on their own power. They've been living by their own measure. They've plateaued in life. But now that these three piles of wood have been constructed, offerings have been placed on them, they have ascended to me. Now watch what I can do through these sacrifices. You see, Gideon, Gideon freed a nation because of his pile of wood delivered a nation and set them free from a a bunch of sticks that had been made into an asher pole. Abraham, if you go on and read there in Genesis 22, God says, because you have done this, because you have not withheld your son, I am not just going to bless you, I am going to multiply you. I am going to expand your life into ways that you could have never imagined. All because Abraham made a pile of wood, made it into an altar, and showed the willingness in his heart to give everything to God. Elisha, Elisha, all by, by offering this to God, by offering his hopes and dreams to God, oh, he led a nation. Gideon delivered a nation. Abraham birthed a nation. Elisha, he led a nation. He became a voice, Elisha did, where all the nation would listen to him. And it started with a pile of wood. Three piles of wood. What's your pile today? What can you offer God today? What is it that God has blessed you with that perhaps has become an obstacle? And God says it's time to bind some wood to it. And if you'll give it to me, 
I'll do something with you. I'll multiply you. And I'll achieve more than you ever thought you could fulfill if you entrust these things to me. Three piles of wood changed the direction of these men's lives and can change the direction of our life. Wood shaped a nation. Wood can shape your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words that come to our heart. Father, I know that this is a strong word, but I believe that it is inspired by you and that you would call us to attention today to examine our heart, to examine our life, to survey where we are today, to take a good, honest examination of our life, to see, Lord, have we plateaued? Have we just been content with the blessing? Have we just been enamored with material possessions and getting more in this life? Or can we look beyond God and see that the blessings are for a grand purpose and design? Maybe there is something here, someone here today, and there is something in your past that has been built over your life. Like Gideon, you live in the shadow of it. You've tried to walk away from it. You've tried to forget it, but it always comes back. Something that was done to you or something that you did, and it seems to dominate today. I want to encourage you to find strength with the help of the Lord today. I want to encourage you to take the hand of God and march up that hill and tear down whatever the enemy has constructed over your life and turn it into an altar and put your fears on that altar. Put your shame on that altar. Put your mistakes on that altar. Put your your, your weakness on that altar and say, God, here it is. Take it. Take my life. Only you can make me into the mighty warrior. Only you, God, you can make me as one man defeat the enemy. What is it that you can offer God today? What is it that the enemy has constructed in your life? Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's, it, it, it's, it's doubt. Or as we've said, maybe it's fears. Whatever it is. Make an altar out of it today and give it to God. Maybe you're like Abraham and, and you've just got caught up in the flow of the things of this life and this world. Paul would tell Timothy, Timothy, don't entangle yourself with the affairs of this life. Don't do it, Timothy. You'll get bogged down. Lay aside every weight that so easily besets you. The writer of Hebrews would go on to say, Maybe there's a weight that has come to your life. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're, you've been a part of this church or another one. Uh, maybe you, you know that you have eternal life. Maybe you know that you have peace with God, but there's something that has become an obstacle for you. Yet you have so much. Father, I pray that you would help us to take survey and to take account the affairs of our life Lord, we could go back to that beautiful place of simplicity of seeing how blessed we are. And that, Lord, with that blessing comes a mighty responsibility to live for something greater than ourselves, 
greater than the passing pleasures of this life, greater than just a retirement account, greater than just our resume, but to live for the grand schemes and purposes of God. Lord, help us to see. Help us, Lord, to enjoy the blessing, but to not stop there, to go on and see others receive your blessings. Maybe there's someone here today just like Elisha. Maybe God is asking you to make an altar out of some hopes and dreams that you've held on to. Maybe there are some things that you, you, you've been waiting for for a long time. I'm not saying give up. I think it's good to hold on like Abraham did and have faith. But there are times when you've just got to commit things to God and say, Lord, I'm giving this over to you. Lord, I I don't want this just to be me. Lord, I put myself, I put my hopes, I put my dreams, I put my desires. God, I put them before you. And Lord, I'm even willing to make an altar out of them. Father, here they are. Take them. Receive them, God. Lord, all that I am belongs to you. My life is in your hands. Father, thank you for touching hearts today. Thank you for ministering to us. Holy Spirit, thank you for taking words out of the word of God, making them experiential for us, implementing them personally and practically into our heart. Father, thank you for doing a deep work in every single person here today. Lord, I pray that the seeds of this word would continue forward not just today, but into the future, that we could constantly survey our lives and find out where do we have firewood laying around? What piles of wood can we gather? What can we place on them? And what can we offer to our King? Father, thank you for your work in every heart here today in Jesus' name.